Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. I got a six-year-old in my calculus class in college and it's going to take my job. What is this nonsense? Comic Sans? Butler had never seen this film and I got the indication that he hated it. She's like, you pussy, get back in the game. He rebels against maturity by taking a job at a movie theater. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's me. At a video store. Well, this is now owned by Disney, so you're going to see a remake at some point. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 175 episodes or more and more for your listening pleasure. And more. What's and going more. on? Oh, nothing. I just decided I was going to be a real creepy douchebag kid who uh, goes around sleeping with everybody and then gets mad when my girlfriend uh, wants to stay a virgin and then go sleeping around even more. And then, uh, wonder why she wants to leave me just uh, basically be a big bag of douche classic classic <laughs> classic 80s <laughs> uh what are we doing today we are doing 1988's a night in the life of jimmy reardon that's right uh jimmy's finished school and he's got to decide to go business school or get a job he would much rather go to hawaii with his girlfriend for which he just lacks the money so jimmy has to find another way now, that's that's it for the synopsis. Um, <laughs> she's going to Hawaii for school, uh, apparently. So she's going to the University of Hawaii, which apparently existed even as far back as 1962 or whatever. Uh, this that's is fine. To take place. Well, I just I, I would have like these socialite these you know rich kids. I would imagine they'd be going going to Ivy League schools. Yeah, like I'm surprised. A, yeah, because the University I, of Hawaii is not cheap, but it's also not exactly. I almost went to the University of Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon has a runtime of 90 minutes. Uh, well, actually, which one did you watch? Because mine has had 94. Um, mine was an hour and 34. Yeah, mine was an hour and 34 as well. And I read somewhere that, not to get off topic again, but I read somewhere <laughs> that there was a director's cut and it was called Jimmy Reardon, uh, A Night in the Life or something like that. It was It was flipped. Okay. But, I, but then I was like, okay, so then which one am I watching? But it's this, it's the old title, so I got really confused uh, right off from the bat, right out of the right out of the bat. But we'll, we'll go ahead, we'll get into that later. So ninety okay. minutes or ninety four, as Butler and I watched, rated R, production budget of five million dollars, came out on February twenty sixth, nineteen eighty eight. That was a Friday. It's opening week, and it did two point seven million dollars domestic, six point two, and worldwide six point two million. Uh, did not have an international gross, so you know there you go. Uh, production company was Island Pictures, and it was distributed by 20th Century Fox. I actually think 20th Century Fox just bought this from Island Pictures when they made it, and then they released it. I think that was the note I had read, but regardless. On the 26th of February, it went up against, in a wide release, Frantic, the uh, Harrison Ford film. Mm -hmm. And then in a limited release that week, you had Bloodsport and Hairspray. Not the musical Hairspray, the original movie, Hairspray. Oh, it wasn't always a musical? 
Oh no, you've never seen the original with John Waters? I knew there was an original yeah, with John no. Waters. I just assumed it was a musical mm. as well. No, the John Waters movie, it might have had music in it, but it wasn't a musical. Okay. And then, um, then I went to straight Broadway. Then I went to the and Broadway. Then I went to- then I okay. came back. Yeah. Uh, the week after the March 4th, you had a wide release moving and switching channels. And then a limited that week, you had And God Created Women. And the week before, the 19th of February, you had one movie and a wide release, Ironweed, with Jack Nicholson. This movie was directed by William Reichert. He actually, actually also wrote it. Um, he has done Winter Kills, The Face of Alexandra Dumas, The Man in the Iron Mask. That's actually the full title. I know, not The Man in the Iron Mask that we all know. He loves uh, long titles. He does. <laughs> he also did Crime and Passion and The Happy Hooker. I think he just wrote The Happy Hooker um, for those fans of 80s films out there. Uh, cinematographer was John J. Connor, who has done the TV show The Young Writers. Uh, the TV show China Beach and the movie Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Composer was Bill Conti, who has been nominated for three Oscars and has won one. He was nominated for Rocky, For Your Eyes Only, and he won an Oscar for The Right Stuff. Edited by Suzanne Fenn, who's done The Rapture and Polish Wedding. Produced by Russell Schwartz, who is uh, basically the president of Pandemic Marketing Corporation. That's only, that's the, he does no other producing credits. He just became a uh, corporate exec. Hmm. Uh, good for him. Uh, this movie stars River Phoenix as Jimmy Reardon, a young River Phoenix. This film was shot in 1986. And I'm pretty sure Phoenix was 16 when they did this film. Yeah, because he was 18 when it came out. So, yeah. Yes. He was nominated for an Oscar for a movie that we covered, Butler, called Running on Empty. He also is in My Private Idaho, uh, obviously the third in Ada Jones. And the movie Sneakers, another film we did. And Magnuson as Joyce Fickett, who's in Tequila Sunrise, Clear and Present Danger, and Small Soldiers. Do you know what Clear and uh, what her role is in Clear and Present Danger? Uh, it's been so long since I watched it. No. The machine is still on, Mora. She's the, she's Mora. <laughs> she's the one that gets killed by, uh, by the, uh, oh, what do they call him? The Latin American jo- uh, Jack Ryan. Is that what they call him? Something remember. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Meredith Salinger as Lisa Bentwright. She's in the TV show Hollywood Heights. She's also in the movie Dream a Little Dream and Lake Placid. Ioni Sky as Denise Hunter. She didn't say anything. River's Edge. Wayne's World. And but but I'm a cheerleader. Uh, I think guy's a big big eighties. Um, what's the what's the opposite of heartthrob? Uh, for uh, for 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 what for you know actresses? Uh, uh you know, mom. <laughs> no heartthrob. What's the opposite of like when they call like? Oh, I think like the ant- antithesis to heartthrob. No, 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 no. Uh, Leading She's lady. I don't know. People, but young boys really like the only guy uh, among <laughs> amongst other people. Uh, Luann as Susie Middleburg. That's her name. Uh, she's in Oh God Book Two and the TV show Two Marriages. Matthew Perry. This is his uh, debut. Future feature film debut for you Matthew mean Perry. Matthew L. Perry. Matthew L. Perry uh, plays Fred Roberts. He is uh, Jimmy Ridden's best friend, I guess. Uh, TV show Friends, obviously. The whole nine yards and the whole ten yards. And Fools Rush In. Uh, Paul Coslow is Al Reardon. He's uh, uh, Jimmy's father. The Omega Man. Loose Cannons and Heaven's Gate. Jane Halloran as Faye Reardon, that is uh, uh, Jimmy's mother. She's in Body Heat and My Girl. And then it, Blink If You Miss Him, Johnny Galecki's in this as his uh, brother, uh, Toby Reardon, real briefly. So that's that's more of a yeah, cameo. Real brief. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's more of <laughs> I a had cameo. to go back and be like, when was Toby? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just real quick, real quick. Okay. Now, let me give you my history with this film, and then we can go from there. Okay. So- I always remembered this film growing up. I don't know when I saw it. I probably saw it on HBO or Showtime or whatever. Um, I always remembered liking this film or, or liking some aspect of this film. 
But when I watched, when I started watching this, I couldn't remember anything from the movie. I remembered the stuff with the friend of his mom's just when they're drinking in the living room by the fire, all that stuff. Right. Vaguely remember that. Vaguely remember um, the scene when he makes out with the girl that he's trying to get Fred and they make out in the car and he catches them. I remember that. But I do not remember um, a lot of, a lot else of this film. I knew the people that are in it and and maybe I'm just, maybe stuff that seemed familiar, but I did not remember anything. And to the point where, when we started off this podcast, where I was like, I don't know if I watched the director's cut or not, or what I watched. I don't know what I had watched. So, <laughs> so it, you could probably say this is, I, I don't, this isn't the first time I've seen this, but quite honestly, it might be because I, there's very little, I remember this film and I'm not too high on it, but the only thing I'm really impressed with is the fact that a 16 year old river Phoenix can carry this film, uh, regardless of he's, if he's not a good character or not. He's, he's, he's extremely charismatic in this movie. I just thought I was just, you know, it, everyone knows he Phoenix was a great actor, but it's just like, like he has to carry this film. Uh, and, and he's 16 when he's doing this. I don't know too many 16 year old actors now, uh, or even around the last 10 years that could, that could do a film where it's basically reliant on them. Cause I don't think he's, I don't, I understand what you were talking about at the beginning when you were cracking wise about how he's a douche. And I get that, but I don't think he's, Acting bad. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Oh yeah, I didn't say that River Phoenix no, 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 acted. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. His character is irredeemable trash. But no, he is. He's he does the best with what he has. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I wouldn't stand here and say it's the best River Phoenix performance. But on the other hand, the fact that the dialogue is so freaking bad for a movie, it is just this. I know this is based on a novel, and it's mm-hmm. it's written and spoken like it was it wanted to be Catcher in the Rise so bad and it just really wasn't um but at no point did I go River Phoenix sucks he he really <sighs> did his he really did his best um and he's probably the only reason this movie was watchable well it's, it's the only reason this movie came out I'm sure because he was come out 2 years later and that's oh, when yeah. he you know wildly popular and the poster has nothing. The poster makes it look like an 80s, like John Waters type film. Yeah. It's see, so misleading. <laughs> I remember that. I see. I remember this movie being like a night, like one night. It, I don't remember all the lead up to it. Yeah. The title's know? really misleading as right. much as the poster. But when he starts and, walking home, I thought, okay, this is now the movie has started. We're going to follow Jimmy as he walks home for the night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I Again. Uh, and also. This you talk about this is based on a book. It's based on a book that's written by the writer director, which which is never a good idea. Right. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's like, that's a very, you have to be very talented to understand that it's a different animal to make a movie than it is to write a book in terms of just what type of story you're trying to tell. You're going to have to cut. Uh, And the original novel is called, aren't you even going to kiss me goodbye? Which is what he says to the girl that he supposedly loves. What's her face? What's, what's her name? Uh, Lisa. Uh, Lisa. That's never gets know, like crap beat out of him. Right. As he gets beat out of him because she, she he basically, she just doesn't want anything to do with him. And that's what he says is he's laying there bleeding. And it's like, no, he, she shouldn't because you're not nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess give me something maybe that aside from the, 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 the dialogue, which you've already touched upon, if you want to kind of, if you want to do more about how bad the dialogue is, that's fine. But what else kind of really stuck with you in terms of like, you know, you didn't like, or 
Um, it just was like, I don't, I don't understand what's happening here. Cause I've got a couple, but we can, we can start with you. I mean, first of all, the misleading title, I guess mm-hmm. it, it, like you think the movie's going to start and then it doesn't really start. And it never really starts. I don't think I, I, I was waiting for a, a shoe to drop. And other than maybe like, I guess the dropping shoe is his conversation with Lisa when he goes, Hey, let's all let, I'll, I'll go, I'll go to school with you. You will talk about where I'll stay when we get there. But it's such a small, slight motivation for a person who I really feel like didn't have the motivation to actually do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I just felt like maybe if it took place within a night would have made it, uh, his motivation stronger instead of stretching it out over two or three days or whatever it was, mm-hmm. I just felt like the motivation for the character wasn't there. The dialogue was atrociously terrible. It was really, again, I, I've talked about this in the podcast ad nauseum. No kid talks like how they write kids or, or very seldomly. And this is a prime example of, of someone talking like they know, and he goes to this jazz club and if, if, it should be done like ironic, like a parody. Like that's like a comedy movie would have that. I was waiting for like there to be a laugh track or something. And it's taken so deadly serious as kids at a night jazz club. And then he, he, he sleeps with some woman. It's like, are you a Wes Anderson character? It's it just, that's, it's such a terrible characterization of people that do not exist. Speaking like 60 year old men who have had a ton of life experience where I don't care what, what, what you've been through as up to your 16th year, you're never going to talk like that. And the voiceovers were like a noir or like lines from his book. Like, Hey guys, by the way, I wrote this in a book. So these lines are what this character's thinking. And I, I can't figure out a way to show you this. So I'm going to have him say it over voiceover. And the voiceovers just, recorded two years uh, later. They originally had the, an, an older man do the voice. Like his, his, his character older and they changed it. I don't know if I would have liked that or hated it more. Felt too grand. I guess the note that I had was that it felt too grandfatherly. Um, so they just, they had brought Phoenix back. It was actually Riker or or Richard. I don't know how to say his last name. I think it's Uh, Riker. Riker who originally narrated the movie, but the studio felt it was too grandfatherly for a teen film. So they brought Phoenix back a year later to re-record the narration. It really isn't a teen film other than the fact that River Phoenix is hot. Like that's really, it's it. I suspect that this film was made in 86. They didn't know what to do. And then Ferris Bueller came out in 86. And to your point, if you're going to write actors, if you're going to write characters, excuse me, young characters, teenage characters, and they're going to talk like adults a little bit and have those kind of like otherworldly ideas, well, just not the typical teenager who's an idiot. Mm -hmm. You better do it right. You better do it. It better be engaging. And you better be done right. Ferris Bueller does that. Yeah, because um, it's a comedy. So it's funny right. and it's ironic. And th- yeah. And I think that they went back to this film and said, River Phoenix, he's super popular right now. He's super hot. We want a Ferris Bueller. Let's put this out. And maybe that's where the the confusion I have with the with the theatrical cut and the director's cut comes in. Because whatever I watched was different from this, uh, from what I remember. But again, I don't remember. But regardless of that, I <laughs> think that's why it's put out there to try to be like a Ferris Bueller but it doesn't, it, it, it's, it misses that. Like you said, it's not funny. For example, to your point, the father character, Al Reardon, he's a jerk. Like, and he comes off as a jerk yep. when he's, when he's yelling at Jimmy, like just straight up yelling at him 
and calling him a son of a bitch. And, and I think he said the F word a bunch of times. That's the same word. Jimmy is a son of a bitch. Right. He does say the of F word a lot when he's yelling at him at the table. But he is like yelling, like a verbally abusive to him and his wife and to his wife. Yep. And it's, it's not played for, it's not satirical. It's not played for laughs. Like nobody, it, it's like played serious. And the white and the, and the mother is like, Oh, she's ignoring it. But it's like, this is not, I, I think it, to what you were just saying probably is what they were trying to do, but it wasn't, they weren't achieving this, this kind of satirical funny. It was, it was presented in, in a semi-serious way. And it was just, it made me hate the father, hate the father. Uh, I like, I, and I was just like, this guy's a, I, do, I want nothing to do with this guy. And even that yep. thing at the end that they try to do where they have at the end of the film, oh, the stupid father, son moment that like, so if, if I don't, if that moment, if I pulled that moment out of that movie and showed it to somebody, or, or if I watched it without knowing the subtext and the, whatever came beforehand, I would be like, Oh, it's a really nice moment. I like that. But knowing what came beforehand, it's just disingenuous. I hated it. Yeah. It comes out of nowhere. There's no point. Do you see that within the father character at all? And the fact that they're bonding over both being assholes is just mm -hmm. irredeemable. So you're just leaving both characters irredeemable. That's like, well, I guess my cheating's hereditary. I'm a dick. Mm -hmm. And yeah. is that the lesson we're supposed to learn at the end? What, what are we supposed to learn at the end of this? What comes off? Now you're a loser with a loser job that you didn't want. Mm -hmm. You're going to find probably either slum around until you're no longer attractive enough or get married into a loveless marriage with, I don't know, whoever the other girl was. Was that Fred's sister? Oh, uh, no, Denise? The, uh, yeah, no. The Denise, the, the girl that, the other girl that he was hanging out with on Saturday, on Saturday afternoons he was having sex with or whatever. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, was it Susie? Oh, Middleburg, Susie? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't no, know. Oh, they have different last names. Who knows? But yeah, yeah. to probably marry her because, you know, whatever. And then cheat on her. Because <laughs> yeah. Lisa moved away. Well, that's the thing. Jimmy doesn't learn anything. And to to go back to the Ferris Bueller comparison, Ferris Bueller has an idea. Like he knows what's coming. He knows what what college is going to bring. He knows that things are going to change. Mm -hmm. You know, he may not. I'm not saying that he knows everything, but he's confident in his his himself in terms of like where he where, where life is taking him. Jimmy doesn't have that confidence. He pretends he does, but he doesn't, and he doesn't learn that lesson. At all in this right. movie. He, he, you know, he, he, he's flippantly going to run off to Hawaii to be with his girlfriend. And then he, then at the end, he's just like, you know what, I'm going to go to business school. Like he just decides to do that. It's like, you're not making that choice the right way. And a year later, a year from now, you're probably going to hate that school. Yep. So I don't, he doesn't learn anything. Uh, he doesn't, and he's not confident. He's a mix between a real teen and supposedly a well-traveled teen and neither work. <laughs> no. Yeah. So like yeah. you said with uh, Ferris Bueller, Ferris Bueller, it's his day off. It's it's a night in the life of Ferris Bueller, a day in the life of Ferris Bueller. Your character of Ferris doesn't need to learn anything because it's just I'm going to have one less hurrah before I have to be an adult. Yeah. He has. It's him not facing That's the fact. Yes, exactly. And Jimmy, though, has you presented it with all these flaws and this decision to make. It's not, I'm going to, and again, you're again, it's a few days with Jimmy Reardon, not a night in the life. So it's not like I'm going to have this one last hurrah or within this night, I'm going to figure everything out. It's within these three days, I'm going to earn $80 to go to Hawaii or 
$180 that for my half of tuition for school, which is ridiculous mm-hmm. <laughs> that it was that little back then. It was just like, he doesn't even get any of that. Nothing transpires of any meaning within this film. And other the other, than his oh, yeah, go fake faux connection with his dad. Mm-hmm. And the other aspect of that is, you know, Ferris Bueller, again, we're doing the comparisons, but this is like a Ferris Bueller film. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but Ferris Bueller is smart. He's uh, adaptive. He's flexible. He's, he's just very good. He, yes, he's funny, but he's just very smart. And he's going to land on his feet yep. wherever he goes, whatever he decides to do with his life. In this film, it's presented that Jimmy is a poet, he's an artist, or he's a businessman, but he's really an artist at heart. So why is he going to business school? Why is he turning his back on his quote unquote passion, his dream, what he wants to do with his life? Why is he turning his back on that and choosing business school? So that doesn't feel like a win to me. That feels like a loss. That feels like a really a big time L for this character Um, again. And it just goes into, he doesn't learn anything. And I don't understand. I mean, I, I kind of want to read the book and understand what, what his motivation was in the book. Like, I don't. So if, if this is done by the author of the book, you're going to get presented probably with the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Like some of my notes are like Jimmy born liar, Jimmy gaslighter. Like he's just like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. He's irredeemable. Uh, maybe if he was likable, like he was just a likable, you can make douchebags that are likable, but you got to, you can't keep piling on the flaws. He's got to learn something. Yeah. He's, he's like you said, that, yeah. learn to be an artist or learn, learn to fall in love and go with Lisa. And he doesn't do either of that. He settles with his also debauched father who's yelling at his wife for inviting the woman he's cheating on. Her yes. With. And they so never, it's, right. It's, uh, so yes. Yeah, so, and I like how he, cause I like how Jimmy tells his dad when his dad's yelling him on the phone, he just says the woman's name. Oh yeah. I just like that. Right. So he's kind of stuck, but like, I want to see more. I want to see, you know, that's the other thing too, Mike. He has it over his dad. Why choose the school again? Why go, what you have it over your father. You're like, I'm going to go to, see, that's the thing. There should have been an option of another artistic school to go to or something like that. Berkeley or something like that. And he should have just said, I'm going to Berkeley and you're going to support me. And his father should just have been begrudgingly had to do it because he knows he can't. He doesn't want to tell his, mo- uh, his mother. Well, that's why he wants to, at the end, he's going to ship him off to Hawaii. Right. And he's right. like, oh, you know what? Maybe we will go to Hawaii. He goes, you know what? I'm going to stay. Mm-hmm. And it's almost just to stick it to his father again. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it's also like, what? What? Yeah. Why? And and to back to your point, we were talking about, um, you know, what we're talking about douchebag characters and how they, you can have them, but they need, they need to be redemption. You need to, see, that's the thing. Like when you have characters like this that are not good characters, not good guys, not good people. Right. They, they definitely take an L and they should take an L in the movie. They got to take a massive loss to their ego and they have to learn from it. And then they, they grow as a person or they don't, but whatever. But in this movie, he just takes an L at the end of the film and that's it. We do, we get like, there's no indication that he's going to learn his lesson or he is going to be somebody different than what he is right now. Yep. He's go, he's going to be a serial cheater. He's going to cheat. He's never going to be faithful to a woman. Um, you know, he, and he didn't learn anything from his experience with the, with the married woman. Like that's like that kind of like scene when he's with the married woman, like that's something where you were with somebody who's older that you maybe take some kind of knowledge from. He gets nothing from that. And yeah. it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate because again, I think it's a, it's a wasted, uh, you know, I, I like River Phoenix in the film. I just don't think he's given much help in terms of, like you said, the writing and in terms of just 
with the overall direction of the story or his character. Yeah. He does what he can with what he's he's given, which is, you know, not much at all. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of things that with uh behind the scenes of the movie that Phoenix was embarrassed by this film. I would be too. <laughs> he didn't want to be marketed as a teen heartthrob, which I've heard before. Uh, he wanted to be taken more seriously as an actor, not a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And I, I've actually heard that note before, not just for this film, but also that his parents asked to have a line removed. Uh, what's her face? The character of Joyce uh, Fickett, the, the older lady. She actually tells him, Jimmy, I want to fuck you. She says that. <laughs> and they feared that that line would negatively affect their 16 year old son's relationship with his young fan base. So, but he refused it, but they muted it for the film's theatrical cut. Do you remember that in this film? Like, I don't, I don't want to say I didn't fall asleep because I know I didn't, but I don't remember that line. I also don't remember that line. So I don't think it was in there and I don't think it was muted. So that's what leads me to believe that we saw uh, the, the different version than what I originally saw when I was younger. But we were also a little zoomed out when they actually do start to kind of make out uh, when they move to the study. So it could be that her head's half turned and it's a muted line. So we can't really, no, neither of us noticed she mouthed it. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe, but that's the kind of line that I think would, would come in the study or by the fire. Right. You know, but yeah, so I thought that was interesting. And and I I, like, I'm still back and forth in terms of what I watched many years ago and what we watched, (laughs) what I watched a couple of days ago. You watched (laughs) Ferris Bueller's day off. Well, I should. (laughs) What did you think of the line when he goes to the party? Goes to like the, the the ball or whatever, whatever, whatever that dance is that they're which, at. Which one? The first, the fancy party or like the actual like school dance? No, no, no. The fancy party. Okay. And he, he's going to, he goes there to try to get, he, he grabs um Lisa and he's pulling her out. And someone's like, what do you think? He's like, I plan on raping her on the way out. When he says that line, what do you think about What do you think about that line? Uh, there are yeah. a couple lines like that. We're just like, uh, yeah, come on, I was, man. I was like, oof. <laughs> It just shows how much of a douche Jimmy is. Like, there's no, like I, a line like that was probably written to be funny. And it, it's just, and not even like in a prudish way, it's not funny. It's just, it's not funny. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the line though, when he's talking to, it might be the second, it might be that same time when he's talking to Lisa and Lisa's uh, Matthew or somebody who's like the, the kid, the guy lives next door. That's kind of like wooing her or whatever yeah, Matthew, he's doing. Yeah. And she tells him, don't worry. And he grabs her and pulls her close. He's like, worry. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I actually like that line. I thought that was, uh, I had a good delivery there, but that was about it. <laughs> I thought it was stupid. It's like, he's going to deck you, dude. Like, so yeah, I, didn't, I didn't get the bravado in terms of not being concerned that this guy is going to beat the crap out of him. Yeah. River Phoenix looks like your height to my height to your height in terms of mm-hmm. the two of them. It's like, he's going to kick the crap out of you. And, and he then looks, he does. Yeah. And he's he like, looks like. The neighbor looks like he's like 23, 24. Oh, yeah. He looks like he's out of college. <laughs> yeah, like he's a man. But this is and 1962. This is true. Did you, but see that they say it was 1962, but did it feel like 62 to you? It felt like they didn't have the budget to put that many cars in. So they were like the same four cars for every scene. <laughs> <laughs> and no, because when they're, when Fred is driving down the street, it, other than like that old timey car, it looks like the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it's it, just like, yeah. Are you just driving? And I, at first I didn't know it was set that, that early. I just thought maybe, you know, Matthew Perry's friend is just like a weirdo with the fez and the suit because he's rich. 
He's wearing the same sweaters that he wears in uh, the, the as Chandler. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, Jimmy's at the jazz bar at the beginning. So between the jazz bars, never really changed their look. And then you go to Fred's house and he's just some rich weirdo. Uh, by the time he's driving the antique car down the street, I was just like, is this part of his shtick? Or mm-hmm. is he actually, is this, what year is this? And the street looks like the 80s. It wasn't until they went into the diner and the old music's talking and they're kind of talking to each other. And we're like, okay, maybe this isn't the 80s. And you meet that one girl and you never meet again. Um, nope. Just to show that Jimmy's a douche. <laughs> <laughs> he's presented every chance not to, to make out with this girl. And then he like the, snaps. The, in the beginning. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it, he wasn't fighting it too hard. No, but then he just kind of like snaps mm-hmm. in like a, an instant, which I thought was a weird choice. Yeah. I don't know if that was a director saying to do that or that was River Phoenix saying to do that. Like, uh, it's not like, oh, okay, I'll do it. It's just more like, screw it. Yeah. All right. So I, I don't know. What were your thoughts on the, now we, we've been talking ad nauseum about the uh, Jimmy Ridden's character. What, and aside from the father character, what about the other characters in the movie? Do you think any of them were written well or, or do you think, or were they good characters that we could have wanted more from? Uh, um, I mean, I like Joyce Fickett. I, I, I like, I like the way Anne Magnuson played Joyce Fickett. I just don't know if I know, understand Joyce Fickett's motivation. No, Joyce, I was going to say Joyce is one of the m- most interesting characters. You know, she's, she's married. She's cheating. You find out she's cheating on. Is she married? She, they say she's married. He's I like believe her, her husband's away. Her husband's away. I'm pretty sure. Sh- I'm almost, I'm like 90% positive. She throws that line out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's why she has to get the phone when the phone rings and you know, she doesn't want Jimmy, but she does want Jimmy. She has, you feel like from their conversation, she has more life experience than anybody Jimmy knows so far, but then you get nothing out of her because she appears so late. She doesn't really do anything to drive the story forward other than to be someone else for Jimmy to knock boost with leading up to Lisa, knowing that he did it. And then to, to reveal that revelation within the last nine minutes of the movie mm-hmm. so i but i feel like her character was probably the most well thought up and probably had a nice backstory and then mm-hmm. like i said Susie middleberg and fred are, were, are probably more interesting and we should have spent more time with them yeah, if this was w- more of an ensemble yeah. i think maybe it would have been better yeah i think like the the Denise character, I guess guys, Denise character is just, I don't understand her character. She likes to be scared when uh, it, it turns around when she is being forcibly uh, put upon in terms of sexual. That's because they have that whole, you know, whatever You're talking about is. Lisa's character. No, I'm talking about Denise. Denise, Lisa is, Denise is Fred's girlfriend. Right. But the scene when Jimmy goes to her house to pretend to rape her. That wasn't Lisa? No, that was Denise. <laughs> oh, I thought then they just dry, huh? Are you sure? No, I'm positive. That was Denise. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lisa doesn't want to have, is not is well, that's worried why, about having that's sex. That's why I thought he dry humped her. No, that was, that's, that's. Not all the way. That's why she's no. not all the way. Okay. So, yeah. So, no, he's cheating on Fred with, with, uh, with Denise every Saturday afternoon. And that whole thing, because that that's where that comes in at the end when Fred yell when Fred stands up and yells at the valet. Yeah, hey, let him be. Yeah, and they cut to the shot of Denise, and she's like, "Ooh!" Like she's like turned on that Fred was forceful. 
Um, but he actually did something. Yeah. So that regard, like, I don't know why the valet is so angry when Jimmy's driving off. He He's not in the club anymore. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so the Denise character, you don't really know too much about her except what turns her on and off. And, and right. she's not nice to Fred. She's not a good girlfriend for Fred to Fred. And Lisa is always presented as a whiny character. It's not it's one thing for a character for a young girl to have morals and ethics and, and simply just to not be afraid to have, to have you know, to, to have sex for the first time. There's one thing to have that. But when you present Lisa in a way that she's just kind of always whining and especially up against Jimmy's mantic, uh, excuse me, uh, manic behavior. And just like he yells at her at times trying to, she's, she's, I felt bad because she's trying to break away from him and he is just grabbing her, holding on to her and yelling at her. And Man. they have her at the end, especially they have her written in where she's just like basically going to succumb to him. And then she, then he does something stupid and she changes her mind. I just, I, I felt that they kind of did a disservice to Lisa's character where they, they, they were kind of, they were trying to do one thing and they were just, they couldn't get there. They could, they were failing at what they were trying to do. They made her weak. Right. Cause everybody's got to be weak if they're a woman character and it just, it sucks. It's a, it's a continuation of weak women characters. Mm -hmm. We're just ignoring them outright. Or not knowing how to write for them, but writing for them. Like, Oh, we know we want, this is going to be a lot of females in this movie. Female characters this film. Uh, I'm, I'm writing for them, but really not understanding how to write for them or, yeah. you know, or you're writing them through the lens of Jimmy Reardon. And unfortunately, Jimmy Reardon is not a great pro tag. Uh, oh yeah. No, he through. does not have a good opinion on women. <laughs> well, he just, <laughs> but again, if maybe that's part of the story, he doesn't, he needs to learn, but he doesn't learn. And you no. don't present that to, for him to learn. He's just kind of like, it's, it's almost like if it's, anything, it's he's okay his, with it at the end. Right. Right. It's just his id and his id is all over this movie and it never gets, it's never put in check. Yeah. That must be hereditary. <laughs> that line at the end just sounds like an excuse to continue his behavior. Yeah. Pretty like much. what he learned is, Oh, if my dad does it, that means it's okay. Reardon boys being Reardon boys. Then let's keep going. You know, I can get a job at the business marketing firm cause that just, I can just keep sleeping around. Clearly, it doesn't matter. Dad, I'm going to need pointers. You got it, son. <laughs> so I'm just going to get right to it. Why do we think it's forgotten? Because it sucks. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> it's not very good. It's if you're a River Phoenix fan from the 80s, there are much better movies to watch. I know he was afraid of being a heartthrob and he kind of he ended up being. Uh, obviously, he was a heartthrob when he was alive, but he did choose good movies and good characters. And he wasn't like just your typical, you know, in your breakfast club type movies. So yeah, hats no. off to him. So, I mean, he, this didn't pigeonhole him, but there are much better movies that he's in. He Any movie. He took challenging roles. Yeah. And he, yeah. No, no, no. Ab absolutely. He's a, it's too bad because, you know, people are going to, the, the longer you go away, you get away from his movies, the, the less people are going to understand how really, really good he was. Yep. Um, and that's too bad because the, the any and you pick any even this film this film's not both of us don't like this film but he's not the problem with this film no so in fact he know. he shines when everything against it everything is stacked up against him mm -hmm. but I think that it was marketed as an eighties kids like teen comedy kind of movie that poster is the three two of them on the hood of a car in eighties outfits with eighties hairstyles being like hey life is awesome. Mm -hmm. And even like the tag, worry in all caps, like, oh, it's a, it's a fun comedy. It's really not. Mm -hmm. It's a serious drama. Well, 
It's trying to be serious. It's trying. Yeah. Serious in air quotes. And it just, <laughs> and it comes across as boring. I mean, this movie's our version, 94 minutes. I kept checking to see how much longer this movie had in it. I kept on checking the time. It was just monotonous. So I, I think that's obviously why this movie has shush, disappeared. Also, you know, all, all, that, all those points that you said, but also who really wants to go back and watch a movie about the struggles of rich white kids? Like, like they're so, uh, what's the, they're so entitled. There's it's, you know what I mean? Like it's the, Oh it, yeah. It, it, it's Jimmy, so, Jimmy acts as he's poor, but he's poor within a really rich community. Yeah, it's even so Jimmy's un, well off. <laughs> it's so uninteresting. He goes to see Fred in this giant house. He's playing pool in this giant living room. Fred's clearly on his way to Yale or wherever. Like the, like anything that happens tonight for Fred means nothing to what Fred's going to be like, uh, how much wealth he's going to have or accrue. Him I'm pretty and, sure they yeah. say he's going to either Princeton or Yale. Yeah. yeah. It's just it, <laughs> so like in terms of staying, in terms of people going back to watch this, nobody's interested in watching this because of that, because of all the stuff that you said. Um, I just think it's not, it's a movie that's, you know, Best left in the eighties, probably put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't need to, it doesn't need to have a platform now. Um, but again, I, I'd, I'd be interested in the book just to kind of see what, what, what is Jimmy's inner dialogue? Like what the heck was, what, what, what were we trying to say in this film? No, I'm not going to run out and buy this book, but <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, let's, uh, we're going to put a, going to put a pin in this. This is done. Mike, where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all the other great podcasts and video content we have for you there. Uh, and you're listening to us right now on some kind of platform, right? So give us a like, rating, <laughs> a subscribe. All that good stuff helps the podcast grow. And uh, check us out on Forgotten Cinema's The Lobby. Let us know if you've ever seen this movie. Ever. <laughs> like, who has seen this movie? Or, and what's your favorite River Phoenix film? So next week, uh, we are, I'm going to tell you right now, I guarantee you that this movie I will love because I know I love it. I was going to uh, say, we, I thought you saw it. <laughs> I did. No, no, I saw it. And then when we went, I, well, uh, yeah, I, I just know I'm going to love it. And I know that I've always loved it. It's one of my favorite Coen Brothers films. We're going to be doing Miller's Crossing. That came out in 1990. Uh, so it's a couple of years after this film, um, you know, in the 90s, but shot in the 80s. So Rick, what is it? Is it an 80s film? Is it an 90s film? But anyways, that's next week. <laughs> Miller's Crossing. But again, yeah. So uh, we'll see you then, I guess. Uh, <laughs> until then, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema.